Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the next episode of The Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all of these episodes and podcasts. I'm the author of the newly released book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win, and you can find more information about this at marketingmachine.prorelevant.com. There's so many things going on in marketing today, but CMOs need to stay one step ahead while they help their businesses succeed in the marketplace. Many times they are a challenger brand, and that's what we're going to be talking about today with John Gumas. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about John. John is the CMO of Gumas, an award-winning, full-service San Francisco advertising agency and the country's foremost authority on challenger brand marketing. John is also the author of two books, Marketing Smart and Challenger Brand Marketing, which describe how challenger brands can effectively develop marketing strategies to take on their largest competitors. Welcome, John. Hi, Guy. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And I do like those baseballs behind you there. And we've already talked a little <laughs> bit about that. So we're going to leave that off at the moment. Uh, so anyway, uh, aside from baseball, tell us how you got into uh, into marketing. What is your backstory on marketing? Well, you know, it, it's uh, I think like like many entrepreneurs or, or people that uh, are, you know, have been in an industry for a long time. It's a passion. Right. It, it's uh, um, it's it's not a it's not a. Uh, a career, it's a passion, and um, I've been lucky enough to to be able to live out my passion. And my passion has always been marketing. I actually have a degree in marketing uh, from San Francisco State University, and I've been fortunate enough to have uh, my company for almost forty years. And um, you know, I'm I'm as excited today as I was forty years ago because, like I said, it's it's uh, it's a passion. And this, there's a lot of advertising agencies out there, but but this company started in. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a a a, a common uh, way, but you know, back when when I was uh, when I graduated from college, started working for some of the big ad ad agencies, and it seemed like, you know, I would sit that that, that everything about their approach was based on on dollars, was based on money, was based on how much money do you have to spend. And I remember sitting in meetings uh, in these conference rooms with, and, and prospective clients would come in who have phenomenal ideas. I mean, absolutely incredible ideas. And maybe at the beginning, they didn't have the multi-million dollar budgets to spend. And I remember in the, in the ad agency executives would say, yeah, sorry, we can't help you. So this happened over and over again. And I started thinking, well, what, where do these people go? What are they doing? I mean, because they have such great ideas. So... You know, that, that's what launched the, the concept of challenger brand marketing. And um, so it's a methodology that, that uh, we've created uh, 40 years ago. Uh, we own the trademark, the challenger brand marketing. As you said, we wrote the book on challenger brand marketing. And it's really designed for, for organizations that are not the biggest in their field. Doesn't mean they're small. I mean, Pepsi is a challenger brand to Coke. Um, but it's all driven around a methodology that if you don't have the most money to spend, how do you strategically build a marketing plan that is going to help you properly position, grow your company, and effectively compete to where you can systematically 
uh, take your company to the next level, next level, next level. So um, we've been doing that for 40 years and uh, and it's been very, very successful for us and, and our clients. Yeah, very interesting. Um, as you were talking, um, I was thinking about, uh, there's a professor here, I think he's retired now, Jagdish Sheth, and he was a professor at Emory. And one of the things he was talking about in one of his latest books was uh, the rule of three. So the rule of three is you have the uh, the leader in the category, then you have the first challenger, and then you kind of have the rest, so to speak. <clears throat> and the one that has the least amount of profit or the most difficulty is that first challenger brand, that the number two. And, uh, and quite often, to your point, it has to do with whether they have a strategy to really either stay as the number two and be a strong one, or to try and take on number one and become number one. And, um, and unless they get it right, they can really, really be a, uh, a money loser uh, in, in, quite a, in quite a few ways. Um, so, uh, so what's your advice for uh, the, the number two brands, the challenger brands? Yeah. Well, that, that guy, that's such a good point. And, and the reason why, let's talk about the reason why first, that that typically happens is because companies think they can, if, if they think they can go head to head. And the problem with going head to head with someone who has more money than you, or more resources, I'm going to throw out resources as well, which could mean uh, uh, how many salespeople you have in the field, how much brand recognition do you have, how many retail locations you have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in addition to how much money do you have to spend. So if you're going to go head to head against anybody that has more resources than you, you will lose or you will never achieve uh, um, uh, your full potential. So the whole concept of challenger brand marketing is truly understanding what makes you unique, understanding niche marketing, understanding positioning, and most, most, most importantly, understanding messaging, because messaging is the key to success to all challenger brands. Yeah, and uh, and it makes a lot of sense. And if you don't have a, a you know a strong uh, position, that's that really is differentiated from the uh, from the the number one brand, then you are just going to be throwing money away. And and then not only having what the right position is, but then of course to your point is then messaging it, and making sure that you know your customers uh, uh, know about that. I think one thing that's kind of interesting, uh, you know, if you're the you know, if you're the number one brand, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's enough to be able to say, well, I'm not them. <laughs> you have to be more than just, I'm not the number one brand, you know, so, you know, Pepsi can't just say, well, I'm, we're not Coke. So you can, you know, you can try us. So uh, what kind of examples do you have uh, along those lines? Well, you know, it, it's, there's, boy, challenger brands come in all shapes and sizes. They come, they're every industry, um, whether it's a for-profit and non-profit, you know, uh, um, financial uh, services, all the way to medical devices and everything in between. You have gorillas and you have challenger brands. So when it comes to challenger brand marketing, challenger brands do not have the luxury of being wrong, right? Challenger brands need to approach marketing in a way that essentially says that we have one shot at being successful. We better not screw it up. So with that said, how do, you, how do you maximize that? Well, the first thing that we see consistently from, from our clients is they tend to guess. And I, I don't mean to say that in a negative way at all. 
but um, guessing is the most dangerous thing a challenger brand can do because what tends to happen, all of us as human beings, right? Let's say we're, we're within a company. We know that company so well. We live it, we breathe it every single day. So we make some assumptions. We assume people know what we know. We assume that, that we know what they need to hear to get them to start a conversation, buy our product. But the worst thing you can do is assume because we, again, there's no, we have to look at our company from the outside like a perspective individual would look at our company. So challenger brand marketing is really designed and targeted to people who had never heard of your company before. And that's how you have to approach it. So how do you get somebody who has never heard of your company before to initially look at, say, just take a website for an example, right? Because it's just, it's an easy example to, um, to, to have here. So we have a, what we call a seven second rule. You have about seven seconds to convince somebody who's never heard of you before, who comes to your website, that I'm in the right place, you're the right company, and I need to start a conversation or whatever the call to action is. Seven seconds, no more. And so how do you do that? So the, every word that you use is incredibly important. So you, the first thing that, that, that we, we tell our clients is we have to come up with a message. And then the typical response that we get is, oh, I know exactly what I need to say. This is what we need to tell them. And uh, this is where we need to, to be. And I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, what they think their audience needs to hear and what their audience actually needs to hear <laughs> is different. So, so we, we, have, we utilize what we call a five-step process. To, to create a, a, a challenger brand marketing program. And the first step of that five steps is the most important part uh, of, of the journey. And we would argue from a marketing perspective, uh, probably the most important thing a company will ever do uh, in, its, in, its, uh, um, in its life. And that is, it's the, the, the process, is, or the step is called discovery, right? It's, it's generating research, but it's not the research that you, you think is, is, uh, um, is common. Uh, what we do is we speak to customers. Then we also speak to the internal stakeholders, whoever they are, the CEO, the CMO, all, you know, customer facing individuals within the company. And we analyze their competitors. So those three points of data gathering is, is what we're looking for now. In the questions that we ask during that discovery process, we're not asking what color of the product do you like? Do you like the blue one or the red one? Um, do you like uh, uh, the large package or the small package? We're asking emotionally charged questions because what we have found is one of the worst things that can happen to a company is getting the wrong information. And it's so easy for uh, a prospective customer or, or when you're interviewing someone to give you the, the, wrong, the wrong answer because it's the easy answer. Mm. So, and the easy answer is usually what you get. And then companies base an entire marketing program based on that, which in, in essence is kind of taking you down the wrong path. 
So we've developed a very um, uh, scientific form of, of, of questioning, really designed to pull the emotion. And then as we go through the questioning, we're, 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 we're validating the answers as we go. So that's the first part. And of course, I've, I've taken a really complex uh, subject here and I'm condensing it. But once we get our, our, we speak to our customers and we don't need to speak to a lot of them, by the way. And just a side note, these are all one-on-one -on -one telephone interviews, mm -hmm. specifically on the telephone, because when someone looks you in the eye, like we are here on Zoom or someone's in a focus group, um, you can easily be influenced. Uh, focus groups, uh, I'm not a big fan of because you tend to get influenced by a, 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 a small group in that. Yeah. In, in yeah. Um, and in Zoom, when you look at somebody, you're influenced. But on the telephone, the good old-fashioned telephone, and you remember those, right? I remember those as a kid uh, using the telephone. Uh, you, you get truth. You get the real information. So that's how we conduct the interviews. So now, now let's move over to the internal interviews. We ask similar questions of our customers, various folks within the, the, the company. And like I said earlier, 99.9% .9 of the time, what our customers think is not what their customers think. Mm. That delta, that difference is, is the, you know, it's really the difference with marketing campaigns working and not working. Yep. So kind of going back to what I said originally that you, you, you can't make these assumptions. You cannot guess uh, because it's what typically what you think is not the truth. And until you know the real reason why somebody buys from you, is is uh, uh, you can't really do any marketing. It's it's you'll never achieve your your uh, your full uh, potential. So we we take those two points of, of of data, and then we add in the third is a full analysis of key competitors because we need to know what their competitors are saying. Because remember that same prospect that that we're trying to reach, their competitors are talking to that same person as well. So how do we differentiate ourselves and position ourselves so, so what we're saying is unique from everybody else? So those are the three, that's the first step. We gather that data. If we do that correctly, then the second step, which is the development of the strategy and the messaging pretty much writes itself because it's all now based on data and fact, and it's not based on, on emotion, our emotion or our guessing. So from, from that, once we have uh, complete that process, we have we have everything we need to really launch marketing campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you are so right about uh, talking to the your customers, your clients' customers uh, first. Uh, that is so critical. And it's, um, uh, first of all, it gets you a, a real equal seat at the table because you now have uh, something that they may not have because, uh, and kind of like you said, or maybe implied is that, even if you're an internal employee and you talk to your customers, you kind of have a jaded view on that. And you're listening for things that, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of reinforce what you already think. Whereas you and your company as an outsider talking to customers, you're kind of the independent. And plus, if you do that in the right way, where you're trying not only to get, to get like the, the the rational reasons why they might choose your brand, but the emotional reasons why they might choose your brand. That combination is is really 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 pretty critical. So uh, kudos to you on how you're doing that. Oh, thank I appreciate that. Thank you. 
Yeah. So um, now, uh, one thing that, uh, as you were talking as well, I was thinking, um, you know, so you have a challenger brand, um, uh, you know, and and they're let's say that they are number two, or they could be number three or number four. Uh, if you're successful at being a challenger brand, then you are still growing. Hopefully, you're growing greater than the com- greater than the category. So you are increasing, uh, you know, your market share. Uh, you know, at some point, you may actually be able to overtake that that uh, you know the number one uh, spot because you are growing faster than the category. Um, and 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 maybe that's an assumption, but it, normally, if you want to be a successful brand, you want to you know make sure that you're at least growing as fast, if not faster, than the category. Uh, is does that make sense, or uh, am I in, going in the wrong direction there? No, I, no, that makes that makes perfect sense, and you're not going in the wrong wrong direction. But I would I would add to that is what we do is we really work with the C-suite to figure out where they want to go, um, where, you know, cause not everybody wants to be number one, believe mm. it, believe it or not, you know, they, they don't because that that's just, it may be a, a, a size or something that they just can't fulfill or do, or don't want to be. Um, and, and challenger brands aren't just number two, three or four, the challenger brand is, is all the way down to, you know, 40, 50, okay. hundred. And, okay. um, so yes, Many times, and we have achieved this numerous times, is taking that you know person that was positioned at number fifty and getting them to number one. Um, as long as they follow the process, yeah, you will get there. Uh, but again, not all companies want to do that, and I think that's an important point to make. Mm. And we believe marketing should deliver your strategic objectives, which include growth, include sales, include so many things. So it's not just doing marketing to do marketing, you should have a vision um, uh, in place. And we work with our clients to create vision. So that allows us to to then identify the right KPIs that we want to monitor as we move forward, as we're moving towards this, you know, along this journey, this path of getting them to where they want to be. Because many times uh, companies want us to get them to the point where where, uh, they can be sold. And um, mm. how do you how do you maximize their valuation? Uh, how do you get them to the point where they're not just being sold on a you know a cost of multiple of cost of goods, but they're being sold on value of brand and and strength of position? You know all these other things that 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 increase the value of the company. So so the point is it's uh, really have a have a reason have an understanding of where you want to be, so your marketing can actually deliver that for you. Mm. No, that, that's a good point. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. So we deal with, with larger brands. And so usually it's, you know, one, two or three or four in the category. And, uh, uh, you know, so I hadn't, I haven't recently, you know, dealt with a, you know, a relatively small brand, uh, like you're talking about, and certainly have very different challenges. One of the things though, that you, you brought up as well is, um, uh, you know, if you're a challenger brand and if you're, you know, if there's well, many of the other brands are much bigger than you, how does that challenger brand uh, get enough awareness to get that seven seconds that you were talking about? Well, there's, there's, there's two parts to that question, right? It's the message itself, right? Because if, if uh, you have a powerful message that is delivered in seven seconds, Okay, that's the first thing it, w- it will work. So then how do you get that message in front of people? So challenger brand marketing is, is 
many times a, a, an exercise of working backwards. So a lot of clients will come to us and say, oh, we want to be on social media. We want to be doing this. We want billboards. We want that. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of give them a little timeout sign and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, why? First, and challenge your brain marketing kind of is this reverse engineering when it comes to budget. If your budget is level A all the way up to level Z, right, that's going to be a different strategy. So we work with our clients to identify the marketing resources they have and then work backwards to create the, the, the program, the, the strategic outbound program that will generate the greatest return for their budget. Because the idea, think of a ladder, right? The challenger brand goes from the bottom rung to the first one, to the second, to the third, to the fourth. That's, that's the process. You don't try to jump to the 20th, which a lot of companies try to do. And as a result, they don't have enough money to do that when they start. Mm. They will have enough money to, to do that you know, in, in, in due time, but let's get there in a strategic way versus outspending yourself or being in markets that are too big. So we like to always be the, the big player in the, mar in, 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 on, in the field. And the way we control that is, is by the size of the field, right? Mm. If we shrink the field, let's say if that's a global brand, they can't go globally now. And maybe they can't afford the continental U.S. Uh, maybe they could only go in, in the in the Western states to start. Let's just say, as an example, now they have enough money to make an impact in that area, whether it's geographic, target audience. Uh, yeah, there's all sorts of different platforms in which to identify that. But it's it's really it's being realistic with with what you have to spend. It, it's that that, and the other thing I, I would say is, even guerrilla brands can be challenger brands. I can give you multiple examples, but I'll give you one in particular of a of a company. And if I told you their, your na their name, you would know them. Um, and I, I know your listeners would know them as well. But they're number one in the medical industry, uh, um, cancer care. They're, they're the gorilla brand. They were going into a sub-market within uh, uh, the medical field that they weren't known for. And the, their problem, they tried to get in this market. And their problem was people didn't believe them. They didn't believe them because they knew them as this gorilla brand and they were marketing as a gorilla brand. They just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, spend their way into this market. It failed. It completely failed. So they brought us on um, to position them as a challenger brand within this sub-market. And we took them through this whole process I just described to you. And um, this is about three years ago. And I'm happy to say now they are the gorilla brand in this sub-market. And it was just a different mindset of marketing, understanding how you go about um, uh, uh, marketing. Because it's not always about just pouring money. Because mm. one, it's interesting. One thing I've noticed that's happening more and more in in almost all industries, all of us as consumers, you, me, your listeners, we're all consumers. We're all people. We're all human beings. And the one thing we don't want to, we don't want anyone to sell us. Right? The moment we believe someone is trying to sell us something is the moment you lose trust. Right, It's mm -hmm. the moment their credibility starts to wane. It's the moment you kind of step back and go, no, nah, you know, I don't know if I want that. Mm -hmm. So we believe and what we see is the new form of, of marketing, uh, especially when it comes to challenger brand marketing. It's this concept of selling without selling. So how do you sell something? without the audience thinking you're selling them something because it's kind of a, a, an odd a, 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 an odd thought 
but it's it we, we found we find it um, very true. So it, it's how do you do this? How do you create um, uh, marketing strategies that are believable, are are trustworthy, um, uh, speak to my 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 sensitivities, and speak to what I want? Uh, that that it's that's so much more relevant than it was just a few years ago. Yeah. Um... Let me flip the table on you, and that is, uh, let's say that I am the, the market leader and, uh, and I see a challenger brand really starting to take off. How do I, as the marketer, market leader now, defend myself against that challenger brand in, in those niches where they've chosen and actually have a, a very good story and are, are they're doing very well there? Yeah, I tell you the first thing, and this is we uh, work with our clients all the time to 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 create that problem and be that problem, and <laughs> and and the way uh, that usually gets solved is they they buy us. Oh, <laughs> that's and, a good one. <laughs> yeah, they buy us, and and believe that that's that is always something we talk about, and and usually when you're in that position and you are irritating a, a gorilla brand by you know that much for them to take notice. They will pay a premium for you, and mm. uh, um, so over the years, we we have many many happy happy clients that you know <laughs> you know that that uh, never had to work another day in their lives um, because uh, you know that was part of the vision and that was uh, you know sometimes you don't always set out to do that, but that's certainly something that uh, um, we enjoy doing is is uh, irritating our our, uh, our our gorilla brands. <laughs> I like that. That's a, that's definitely a, a good outcome. So uh, uh, very good. So uh, now you also talk about uh, uh, un, the term underdog brands. What do you mean by that? Yeah, underdog is, is a challenger brand. It's, okay. it's, uh, um, it's, it's, it's similar to uh, just a different terminology. But uh, um, yeah, that's, you know, it, it's again, it's this concept of, of thinking differently. Marketing isn't always about spending as much money as you can. Um, you know, I, I believe the more money you spend, the faster things happen. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend the most money in the marketplace. Mm. You, you know, as a challenger brand, you, you know, have to define the market. And, you know, we have to define where it is we can play, where we can win. Okay, because it's about winning. And like I said earlier, challenger brands, don't get two chances. Well, they do, but you should never approach it like that. You should approach right, it as if you get right. one shot. So it's um, our approach is very systematic. It's uh, um, uh, very methodical. It's based on a, a series of, of win after win after win after win. So you can grow. It's like, you know, we we're talking baseball earlier. It's mm. you don't have to hit a grand slam. Or, if you just get a single every single time, all right. Think about the inning where you get all nine batters hitting singles. That's a pretty damn good inning, right? And singles are yeah. a, lot, a lot more realistic, right, than hitting a home run. So that and and yeah, challenger brand. I'm not saying they don't hit a home run, but they do. But you got to have this mindset of just constantly moving forward, constantly mm. uh, moving ahead, and doing it within your means, doing it always within your niche, doing it within what makes you unique. And utilizing the data that's been created in that discovery uh, process that we we discuss, because that discovery process, I said, it, it is the most important thing. It's the answer to your questions. When when people you know come to me and say, well, marketing doesn't work, I would I would argue it does work. You're just not utilizing it correctly. 
And what utilizing it usually means is you're not saying the right thing. And uh, you're not saying it in a way that, that is motivating people to respond. You're not saying it in a way that they need to hear you say it. You're not saying it in a way that is unique to you. You know, it, it's uh, um, the message is so, so critical. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, it, 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 I'm wondering, because certain media channels are easier to get a message, message across than others. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, if you were going to do uh, connected TV or CTV, you have, you know, pretty good control of, of many of the senses, you know, certainly visual and, and, and oral and what have you. Uh, but, you know, when you think about uh, that to get your message across, that's one thing. But then when you think about other media channels, so like, you know, paid search, you really only have whatever it is, 40 or 50 characters to get your, your message across. Um, how does what you're talking about change as you're going through the different media channels like that? Well, I, I would say the message never changes. The message does not change. Um, what will change is the, the nuance in which you use it depending on the channel. Um, and, you know, that, the channels are a big, big part of what we do. Um, most of our clients were very, very involved in their daily marketing activity. So there are certain uh, channels that, that are better for brand building, certain channels better for lead generation or, or any sort of uh, um, like a, a call to action. Um, so we typically, our clients don't always have the luxury of, of spending money just to build brand. So our typical client, we're building brand and generating leads simultaneously using the same channels. So as a result, we, we tend to get very picky on what channels we use. Uh, you, you talked about uh, Google. Okay, Google, you have search and you have pay, you know, uh, organic and, and, and paid. Well, Google paid search, believe it or not, is, is not for, for many of our clients, it's not working as well as it used to. Um, connected TV talked about is on the up, upswing. Um, you know, Facebook you know, slash Instagram, I'll kind of connect them together are still the best source for lead generation mm. for what mm. we find. And, you know, when you have these change in, changes in algorithms and changes in security, like I say, the iPhone recently had, that affected Facebook quite a bit. But it just means our digital team is challenged to find new ways of, of generating leads. Um, you know, Pinterest is great, but it doesn't generate uh, for our clients, you know, the, the, the activity, the ROI that we mm. need. Uh, so, so, to answer your question, it depends on the client. It depends on what we're trying to achieve. But usually it depends on how do we generate the greatest ROI for the money we're spending. Because we analyze every 30 days, we look back mm. um, in a very, very detailed way to see, okay, we spent a dollar, how much money did we get back? And uh, um, if, if we don't uh, um, deliver a greater uh, return than that dollar, then, then we, have, we, have, we have work to do. But yeah, uh, well, and you can, and we because can. you're monitoring, and because you're monitoring it every 30 days, you have the ability to very quickly learn from your mistakes and, 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 you know, veer right or veer left to it, to be able to correct that. So uh, I yeah. agree with that a hundred percent. And uh, not to tout my book, but in, in my marketing machine book, that's a critical piece is getting that fast feedback and the fast learn process. So you get rid of any mistakes that you make. Uh, learn from those mistakes and then make the, the change in direction where you need to. 
Right. Yeah. You, you get it. You understand. It's not always about throwing more money at it. It's, it's mm. more about adjusting the money you have and, and making sure it's going in, in the right, in the right places. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, before I get to my last question, anything else that you wanted to uh, mention? Well, you know, um, you know, we talked about messaging and, and it's, it's, uh, uh, I just want to bring up a point about websites if, if, uh, um, if I may, because that, it, I believe a website is is probably one of the most important, if not the most important, marketing tools companies have, and uh, um, they they sometimes overlook how critical they are. And uh, we 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 discuss this seven second rule, where when somebody comes to your website, first of all, it, it needs to be designed for someone who's never seen you before, mm. who's maybe saw an ad or heard of you, and just coming to your website, and they're going to give you seven seconds to convince them that you are better than their competitors, you have what I want, and, and this is the place I need to be. Because after that seven seconds, if you convince them, then they will engage a in a conversation mm. by going deeper into your site. But we see websites all the time either assume people know who they are or bombard the uh, the visitor with so much information and the theory of, right, if you try to say everything, you say nothing. Or they do the opposite and don't say enough. So, uh, you know, websites are the, the modern day retail store, the flagship store, right? You've got to get somebody there and that's where you're going to sell them on who you are, whatever your message is. So it's, it's utilizing uh, and understanding uh, uh, that tool. So uh, um, that's a common thing that we see with, with many companies, not just challenger brands. I mean, we have real clients as well. You know, even, even they assume a lot. And assuming is a risky uh, is a risky thing, and usually a very expensive endeavor. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and I like your your seven second rule. I think it's um, it's kind of like to me that first seven seconds buys you the next sixty seconds, which buys you the next maybe one hour. And right. uh, each step has to be very clearly defined so that you get you get them hooked with the first seven seconds, and then they go, you know, tell me more. And then you have the opportunity to now dig deeper into that next round. And I, I think you're right. I think, uh, it, and it, it's hard, you know, especially for a, a smaller challenger brand to have a website that, you know, may have pieces of it for existing customers and then pieces of it for new and uh, customers that are the first time engaging with the brand. And, and so there's, uh, you know, definitely some interesting uh, aspects of uh, website design to be able to handle that. Yeah, and 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 there are there are there are ways to do that, and uh, um, and it depends on the client. But you know, when it comes to the message, right? When it, the the core message for any company should have should answer four questions, and it should answer four questions very quickly and concisely. And those questions are: Who are you? What do you do? What makes you special? In other words, mm -hmm. what makes you different from everybody else? And the fourth question, probably the most important question, is what's in it for me, right? <laughs> the view, the, the the person, and it's 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 incredible when you see most uh, um, uh, messaging platforms don't include the last one. Mm. They just talk. Mm. You just talk about us. Here's who we are. Aren't we great? Well, you know. Well, tell me what that means for me, because at the end of the day, I'm the person that matters. <laughs> so yeah, that, that we've created though that that those parameters as the core messaging and, and the discovery process helps us determine the answers 
to those four questions so we can string together messaging mm. that is based on facts, based on data from your customers, is true to your brand internally, um, and is unique from your, your competitors. Yeah, you know, as you were uh, talking about that, uh, Jeffrey Moore uh, crossing the chasm comes up and, uh, you know, your first bowling pin and then the, I can't remember if he had four or six W's, you know, what is it, who's it for, why is it different, what's it in for me, and then, you know, there's a couple of other ones that you can add on there, and uh, and I, I think that is so critical, I you know, uh, yeah, kudos to you as well. And uh, that, that you know, if you can get that message across, uh, that is what's critical. And, and I like your point as well, is it what's in it for me? What's the, you know, what's the, what's the value I'm going to get, whether it's ROI or emotional satisfaction or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And the hardest part of all that is doing it in a concise way. Yeah. <laughs> There's my, my, my favorite quote is from Mark Twain. And Mark Twain years ago said, I would have written you a shorter note but I did not have the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. So, so it's easy, right? It's easy to describe your company in a page yep, or two pages. Yep, it's yep. easy. But you know what? That, that kind of gets the, back to the concept of you say too much, you say nothing. So how do you take that two pages of information and just narrow it down to you know, a few words, um, you know, seven seconds uh, or an mm. elevator pitch that should be yep. no more than 30 words or 30 seconds uh, long? How yeah. do you do that? That's that's difficult, tough. if not impossible. Yeah, for companies yeah. to do it on their yeah. own. Yeah, without very, a process, without yeah, without a structured yeah. process to to get you there. Yeah. Now, um, I was always wondering who wrote that. Uh, so it's Mark Twain, because I quote that one, once in a while. And uh, thank you for that. That's very helpful. So uh, before <laughs> thank, we thank Mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank. Well, thanks for uh, re helping redefine it. So, uh, all right. So, my last question is: I uh, I like to ask uh, is uh, what advice would you give to an up and up and coming marketer for them to be successful? Somebody looking to get in the industry. Well, either coming out at a college, wanting to go into marketing, or changing over from whatever they were doing and getting into marketing. I, you know, understand your passion. And spend time, really think about what is it that moves you? What do you love doing? What, what is it that motivates you? Because if, if you are one of the lucky few, like I'm sure you are a guy, I am, or you're not working for a living, you're doing what you love for a living. That to me is you are the luckiest person in the world because you will become successful at, at doing whatever you love to do because you have a passion for it. If you don't have a passion for something, that's a different approach. Um, that's the first thing I would say. And, and you know, the second thing is, is look at the trends and how do you create value for yourself? Um, you know, what makes you different? We talked about this challenger brand process. People are challenger brands too, right? Someone coming into a, a new mm -hmm. industry is a challenger brand. So, you know, who are you? What do you do? What makes you special? And, and how can you help the person you're talking to, the, the person you're looking to get a job from or the industry you're looking to enter? Um, go through that process for yourself and, and differentiate yourself because it's all about being unique. It's all about you being unique and challenger brands and people. We all have to be unique. We all have to have our unique position, our unique messaging, our, um, and that's how you'll get noticed. So those are the, you know, those are the two main things is find your passion and, and how, how do you position yourself to be, be, be unique? 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think you're right. Um, you know, if you if you are very passionate about what you're doing, then it's it's a lot less about work and it's a more it's a lot more about the fun you're having and 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 the difference in uh, that you're being able to make because you're so passionate about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, uh, uh, really, thank you so much. I, uh, you know, really appreciate it. And so glad we were able to spend some time today. And you, uh, I really appreciate uh, what you're talking about in terms of what it takes to, uh, you know, really be successful as a challenger brand. Because, you know, when you think about it, just about every category has probably 10 challenger brands to one market leader. And so most companies are challengers. It's very uh, infrequent that you actually are working for the market leader. Um, so where can uh, folks go to learn more about you and your company and uh, how to uh, uh, be a successful challenger brand? Uh, well, yes, certainly. They can go to our website, which is uh, gumas.com, G-U-M-A-S.com. Uh, a lot of great content there. You can subscribe to our, our e-newsletter, You can our blogs. I mean, just really good hands-on how-to marketing information um so, you know you can follow me on social media just john gumas or if you want to just send if someone has a question and wants to just ask me a question here's this i'm doing this and it's not working do you have a uh you know all they have to do is mention your name and i'll be happy to to um give them some free advice for whatever free advice the word free is always kind of coin <laughs> what's that worth but i promise it will be worth their their time but my email is jgumas at gumas.com. So the letter J G U M A S at gumas.com. Fantastic. Thank you, uh, John. So <laughs> gumas.com, G U M A S.com. And uh, certainly, like I said, uh, there's uh, so many more challenger brands out there. And even as a, even as a market leader, I'm sure there's uh, something that you can learn from uh, John's site. So with that, uh, again, John, thank you so much. And to the audience, please stay tuned for many other videos in this series. On the backstory of marketing, please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant.com and you'll be able to download the first chapter of my book and other valuable excerpts. And if you like this episode, please uh, rate it with five stars. Again, John, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure, Guy. Thank you. Thank you.